Hi friends, this is Crystal, and before I play this week's episode, the four of us wanted us to add a bit of a trigger warning and just a message from us to set the mindset for this episode. We are tackling a sticky subject today. We are talking about racially problematic music in the elementary classroom. Um, This is something that we had talked about nine months ago that we wanted to tackle on the podcast, and we have managed to put it at the bottom of the list of things to talk about for a long time time because it scares us uh, because uh, we we are so concerned about making sure that this is an uplifting place for our listeners and that our hearts truly shine through it all. Um, but every time we have solicited feedback from listeners in person or online, um, this keeps getting brought up. And so enough people have said it that here we are and we're doing it. Um, the, so the trigger warning is that we do acknowledge that there are some racial slurs that have been used in uh, in folk songs over the years. Um, and while we have bleeped one um, one use of the N-word, um, as we were saying what the original lyrics were, we just wanted to let you know um, that that is in this episode. Um, and if this is too sensitive a topic for you to listen to right now, we understand and, uh, and just wanted to give you the option to skip it if you need to. Um, this is not a debate, and this is not a perfectly laid out treatise on this topic, and it is not the end of this conversation. Um, the four of us, we want you to understand we're very good friends before we ever started this podcast together. We have a great deal of love and respect for each other as humans and as music educators, and we are working through hard things together. And so this episode is an invitation to come sit on the couch in the living room with us and have a conversation. I think too often, and Mark made this point in the episode, um, too often this topic is brought up in social media forums and the conversation becomes toxic because instead of listening to each other, everyone is so concerned with being understood and we perfectly edit our responses and um, and we have time to formulate responses. Whereas this is a, this is a heart-to-heart conversation, uh, we've made a conscious decision to leave all of our ums and our stumbling in. Um, And so you're going to hear some of that and it's uncomfortable (laughs) and we've decided not to fix it with the magic of editing. There's a point in the conversation where you're probably going to correct, correct my pronunciation to something out loud. And I've decided to leave that in too. Um, and there is, there are just places where our reactions uh, to things that are said are not perfect, and our reasoning is not perfect, and we know that. And um, we are committed to showing our process and our growth through this podcast as authentically as possible. And that is what you're going to hear today. And so um, the other thing that I felt was very important, and the four of us feel is very important, Um, to bring forward is we understand that there are no black voices in this conversation today and that is a problem and is one that we want to fix Um, so if you are listening to this episode and your perspective is not represented and you would like to add your voice to the conversation please let us know uh, chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail.com again this is not the end of the conversation. It is just barely scratching the surface. We have months of exploration and much growth ahead of us. And so we invite you to take this journey with us together. And without further ado, here is Impact versus Intent, problematic music in the elementary classroom. Welcome to Chaotic Harmony. My name is John. This is Crystal. I'm Mark. I'm Zoe. We talk about the joys and the challenges of teaching music in the elementary school classroom. We share inspiration, we share struggles, we brainstorm solutions. We would love to have you join us. All right. Welcome, everyone. Uh, We're back for more Chaotic Harmony. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have school today, so of course we are recording. That's right. And uh, today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Mm -hmm. and we've been putting off talking about or jumping into the discussion of problematic music mm. uh, with yep. a racist history in many cases. So uh, let's do it. Okay. We, <laughs> yeah. you know, we've we well, talked for months about we, how we need we, to do yeah. this. Yeah. This has been a tough topic for everybody. But first yeah. off, just so like, for people who are not really in the loop, could you like, define what is problematic music for us? Sorry. Well, so uh, I saw it on a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were just pointing out songs that have... Uh, history and slavery or like roots back in minstrelsy Minst- mm-hmm. did i say that right yeah that sounds about right yep yeah um 
and so teaching the music in I don't know without like the context or teaching well, music I feel like teaching music that has connotations that are aggressive towards other demographics so there are a lot yeah. of folk songs that have been included mm-hmm. in United States curriculum for many 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 years or just beloved by the masses mm-hmm. that have problematic histories such as Oh Susanna, um, the game Jump Jim Joe, um, Baba Black Sheep. Baba Black Sheep isn't. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> Zippity Doodah broke mm. my heart. Um, so, shoe Fly. Yeah, so actually, I, I, I'm sure there are people that are listening. They're like, wait, what? they're like, wait, what? Well, yeah, what? these yeah. are problems. So Zippity Doodah. Uh-huh. Uh, what is the problematic history behind so that? So I um, was doing a little digging on mm-hmm. that one. Uh, my grandmother sang that song to me, but it, it began as a minstrel song. So um, blackface performers in the mid-1800s uh, would sing it, and it was making fun of the way a slave talked. Um, so just um, a caricature of a slave mm-hmm. in the South uh, walking along and singing, or shoe fly don't bother me, making fun of a slave who didn't want to get up and do work. Right. Um, so those, I mean, I never in a million years would have known that unless somebody guided me towards a source that told me that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's sad because there are warm, fuzzy memories with my yeah. grandmother attached to that. And mm-hmm. uh, Shoe Fly Don't Bother Me, I have a circle game that has successfully been done in my music room and brought joy to a lot of kids mm-hmm. over the years. And so it was like, oh, I can't do that anymore. Um, but when you know better, you do better. Was that a Maya Angelou quote? Mm. I think a lot of people have said it. Um, but... And now that I know that, and I know that this song has a problematic past and could potentially cause harm to a family that knows its history and is like, why is that song in the music room? Well, I, I think it's not just the... You said something there, and I lost it. That's okay. Poop. Poop on a podcast. Poop on a podcast. Take four. Take four. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was wondering if we could just start by... Because um, it's been maybe like nine months since we have first talked about this topic Mm -hmm. that's true so why why do you think we've been hesitant maybe we could share a little bit about um why it's taken us this long well and not only that but every time we meet listeners i feel like this comes up it does yeah people corner us they're like we want you to talk about this (laughs) it's a charged "Eh." subject yeah i mean yes yeah it's 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 messing with i don't say messing with it's it's talking about the history of what we've done forever Mm -hmm. and then also trying to move forward with being better mm-hmm. and so i yeah. think that that's why it's taking us such a long time to to discuss this and to just kind of share our thoughts and opinions on it because we know that there might be people out there whose feathers get a little ruffled because you know we're relatively young in our careers mm-hmm. and we're we're taking the stand like you know what we should we should be better and we should find different folk songs to sing mm-hmm. and it's that that concept of change and you know people just in general don't enjoy change Mm -hmm. um and so like you said crystal you have this amazing game that works so well with this song Mm -hmm. and it's just that is what we do right but it shouldn't be because of the the roots of what of what uh what some of these songs have Mm -hmm. also there's i think a sense of tradition that I have not been really a part of it, but I know so many people are, Mm -hmm. that they've learned these songs from their parents, their parents learned them from their parents, and to make the choice to not extend this to the next generation is, it's hurtful. I I get that. I understand how hurtful it is for a teacher to realize that, or anybody to realize that they can't, uh, that this song that they loved so dear, they cannot extend to the next um, group. Mm -hmm. But in the same sense, if it limits i mean i guess we have to question like why do we teach songs what is the right. purpose what's the purpose of it right yeah and if the purpose is to there i mean there are several ideas one is to make sure kids sing songs that are that can help them with their singing abilities that's one thing for sure mm-hmm. but there's a lot of songs that can do that another one is um from our drew billings on uh, telling us during our or level two to make mm-hmm. sure we write we do songs that are that extend path uh, that are not, not just of the current pop history but have a sense of mm-hmm. longevity that's another reason but also to just make songs of worth you know and if the song that we have is breaking one of those rules then we should not use it if it's and if it's causing harm to another set of people right. we should not use it 
I've kind of went all over the place with that one part, but you did, but it's cool. Um, I, yeah. Why, why are we teaching the songs? Uh, and, uh, what, what are we trying to foster yeah. in our music room? I know for me, I'm trying to bring out the joy of making music mm-hmm. as a community and bring out the creativity in my kids. And so if the content matter of my song blocks that even for one kid in my classroom, or, you know, if, if I put my kids on stage and, uh, and a family member reacts adversely, um, because they know the history of a song that is sung and, um, and that's harmful to them. I haven't done my job. So that, yeah. What do you think, Zoe? I, I, for me personally, it's that feeling of like guilt, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, uh, you know, I've taught some of these songs that are on the lists, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, oh my goodness, I should have known better. Mm-hmm. And just going down that that route of, oh, I should have done this, mm-hmm. when in reality, like, I actually didn't know. Like, I was, you know, I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I'm really glad that we're here and we're attempting this, because yeah. I think yeah. it is courageous. This is going to be an imperfect stab at this, so I yeah. I just want to throw out there, please give us grace yeah. as we stumble through this. Uh, know that, that we're trying to repair and put a bandage on harm that's been done, you know, by ourselves, right. um, and, uh, and we're trying to do better. So, yeah. Also, jumping on to what you said earlier, mm-hmm. um, I, can, I can also imagine a child that has fond feelings for a song and then learns later on that it's not it's actually making fun of their own heritage what will that do to, to their identity and that crisis mm. later on and yeah that's, yeah that's a big deal yeah yeah cool yes i agree that has happened to me has mm. it happened to you um not yet thankfully but i can like are we gonna because we've talked about like it's happened to me well we talked about yeah. how uh, yeah we want to start this conversation. Are we? Are we in? Are we, are, are we going? Are we going? Are we going are we professional? <laughs> well, we can't. well, I mean, we can. I think we can. I yeah. I have some other questions, but if we want to dive in, we can dive in. Yeah. Yes. More questions. Well, I mean, is it a question to kind of preamble the whole situation? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, that go was just, yeah. okay. No, no. Yeah. Before we I, actually... let's just let the conversation flow where okay. it's going to go, and I, if we get stuck, we'll let Zoe redirect. Sure. How does that feel? Does yeah. that feel good? That feels great. I think okay. we have a lot to say. We do anyway. So yeah, if you have something you want to say, John, you can. Yeah, don't well, question it. I don't have the unfortunately exact quote. I remember about a handful of months ago, mm-hmm. um, John Firebin um, posted uh, something regarding. Uh, his curriculum, which I followed since the beginning of being a music teacher, uh, I started following first steps um, in music, and mm-hmm. like I loved his stuff. Mm-hmm. And I started teaching well, one of the early songs that he teaches, Johnny on the Woodpile. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm teaching the song, and the song uh, ends off like um, you know, he got the hair coat for 15 cents. Like, okay, is this like a song on inflation? It's like you know, clearly not. <laughs> you then later on learned that it's not Johnny on the Woodpile; it's actually on the woodpile and uh-huh. if you want to bleep that out by all means but like the fact that we need to bleep that word out is telling of its history mm-hmm. and um and just showcasing hey they're not making they're not singing a song about you know kid just met, like playing around this is making fun of a child mm-hmm. who had a cheap haircut playing in wood mm-hmm. and teaching a, like a mixed demographic of not just Hispanics, not just Pacific Islanders, but also African Americans. Mm-hmm. If a child was to love that song, which I've had kids have happy faces, mm-hmm. and then going back to what I was saying earlier, mm-hmm. to learn later on what I learned, that it is actually a song of insulting of a certain identity. That is just, oof. Yeah, it's a punch in the gut. Yeah. When I first started teaching, um, jump down, turn around, pick a bale of cotton was in my curriculum. Um, and I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought about it because I've lived in the South before. And so I, the first time I read through that, my thought was like, wait, <laughs> what is this? Um, uh, and it's a fun song. It's got, you know, a fun little beat. There's lots of movement mm-hmm. involved. There's, you know, valuable standards that are hit. And so I was just, I was a new teacher and I was moving through the curriculum, but it didn't feel right. And then I went back and I did a little bit of poking around and I was like, yeah, my instincts were right on that. And this is not okay to teach and I'll never teach it again. Um, so I think, I think so often, you know, we're already overloaded, um, as teachers and it can just be easy to be on autopilot. Like here's, 
here's a game or a song that you've been taught that has been successful in the past. And so you sort of take it at face value yeah. and you find your winners, you know, yeah. like I think of Cindy Gabler, winner, winner, chicken dinner. You know, you think <laughs> of your winner, winner, chicken dinner lessons. And it's like, yeah, I've taught this game um, to hundreds of kids or I've had a room full of families and we've done this folk dance and this game and it's been a hit. Mm-hmm. But now I know that there's potential harm or there's a problematic history so how can i in good faith put that in front of people again you know what i mean right Mm -hmm. yeah that's where i'm coming from and i like the fact that we choose songs that have a sense of tradition Mm -hmm. we have a song we choose songs that i mentioned earlier have lineage because Mm -hmm. i've recently seen this on my thread that's separate from music education but Mm -hmm. it's totally nonetheless that so like there was a quote that tradition is just peer pressure from from dead people <laughs> and uh, I just, I, for me, someone who values tradition, I rolled my eyes hardcore. Because <laughs> for me, tradition isn't just something that is just not just peer pressure, but mm-hmm. it's something that has been tested by the community over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's reason why we don't sing, for example, "Fancy" by Izzy Azalea. Like uh, it's, it lasted for a little bit and then just kind of fizzled out. Right. And no. because of you want to teach your kids <laughs> that, by all means. But it's. It's been tested through the community of tradition, through like what is good, what is not. And so tradition is not just peer pressure from dead people. It's the community deciding what's good. But when you have songs that have we now learned that, hey, uh, we no- don't just teach Anglo, mm-hmm. white people. Yeah. We don't just teach a small demographic. But America is made up of a wide demographic of now all cultures. Yes. We need to be... We need to be that pr- people that actually respects our new community and also then change the tradition so that it reflects our new community. Absolutely. So we wanted to bring someone into this conversation who is all the way across the country from us. This is Amy Curtis Fitzner, all the way from North Carolina. Hi, Amy. Hey. Oh, hi. Hi. So when we were were doing our research, poking around in all the Facebook groups for the past discussions, especially on the AOSA Facebook forum, I kept seeing Amy pop in. And uh, when someone was saying, um, in particular, Chicken on a Fence poster, Jump Jim Joe, they would say, oh, but I love those games and they've been successful in my music room. Not only would Amy come back with a thoughtful response about why she's decided not to use those particular songs in her classroom, she's written alternatives. So, um, Amy, you're not just a, a music teacher with um, you know experience in an elementary classroom. You're also a composer and you've written a lot of books. Um, so yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about your experience first? Tell us a little bit about um, who you are. Oh, experience. Yes, I'm one of those dinosaurs. Um, I started <laughs> blogging, like, um, let's see, I don't know how long I started blogging ago, probably over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I was probably one of the first ones that really started doing blogging for music. I think, you know, there wasn't many of us that were doing it at that time. Mm-hmm. I have been teaching for 27 years. Uh-huh. Oh my God. I can't believe I said that out loud. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a long time. Uh So, yeah, it's been a while. And I publish um, with Beaten Path Publications, and Mm -hmm. I'm also one of the editors with them as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so tell us a little bit about how you have seen this discussion about problematic music affect you personally and affect the books you've written and what you've decided to do about it. So, I think one of the things that, um, Uh, probably some people know about me, but probably many people don't, is that my daughter was adopted from China. Mm -hmm. And so when we adopted her, one of the things we really committed to was encouraging her Chinese culture and her love and appreciation for that. And so that sort of started me down a path of trying to figure out how to do that authentically Mm -hmm. and appropriately Mm -hmm. um, without, you know, um, running into problematic things about China mm-hmm. um, because there's many problematic things yes. about China yeah. that um, she's, she's not ready to know mm. or that she's um, I'm not ready to teach her about yet and so it was more gaining a love and appreciation of her culture mm-hmm. um, and that sort of started me down the pathway of other cultures as well and then the more that I researched and when I started writing books, I had to do a lot of research. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to have materials, again, that were appropriate and authentic and um, just being careful of other people's culture. And so learning about that has sort of taken me down lots of different pathways, mm-hmm. not only culturally, but with American culture, um, 
and just trying to figure out, you know, sort of decentering the whiteness of my own classroom and my own perspectives about music and music education. It's taken me um, down some very interesting pathways of learning a lot about our history and learning a lot about our racial inequalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what uh, I, you were you and I had had a, a little bit of a conversation before you came on today about um, just the impact that this conversation has had on you um, and uh, how you've interacted with other educators. So when this comes up in conversation, people have feelings. Um, and, uh, and I'm just wondering how, how you have decided to, to deal with that. How do you deal with your own and how do you communicate with grace, um, you know, that, that we need to change? I think one of the big things is that people need to remember that, um, intent never trumps impact. Mm -hmm. And, the kind of impact that we have upon music education within our own classrooms never trumps the intention that we have in providing music. And that, you know, as we teach elementary age children, um, one of the things that I think teachers do a lot of times is they go a few different directions when they find out about problematic song material is that they either, number one, dig their heels in and say, I'm not changing anything. My Mm -hmm. kids love that. Mm -hmm. Say okay, but I'm just going to change the words. Mm-hmm. The words are the offensive issue. Or they say, okay, I need to completely shift mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Um, and I think, you know, there, there there's levels of wokeness and there's levels of awakening uh-huh. of people who are trying to figure out what to do with all this song material that we have in our classrooms mm-hmm. that is very, that's very white-centered. Mm-hmm. And um, just being sensitive I think in trying to find alternatives to song material out there that we have loved, mm-hmm. you know, um, Crystal, you and I talked earlier about Can't Dance Josie, a Chicken on a Fence Post, mm-hmm. how when that came out as having some problematic histories and some problematic lyrics to it, a lot of people were just like, well, I'm doing, I love the game. And you know, my kids love the game. I'm just going to continue using it mm-hmm. and I'm just going to change things or I'm not going to worry about those offensive lyrics because I'm not going to teach my kids that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, There, for me personally, once I hear something, I can't unlearn it. Mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. unhear those lyrics. They're in there. And so, you know, I personally, for me, it doesn't work. For some music teachers, that might work to continue using those songs. Um, but for me personally, it does not. Once I hear those, I don't want to damage a relationship with a family mm-hmm. or with a student at my school or God forbid, you know, have somebody sue me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you just have to be careful and use materials that respect everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you said right there is very important. Now, even if you change the words, like music is such a powerful tool where if you hum a tune, it doesn't ma- matter about you saying the words, you know what the meaning's about. Mm-hmm. And even if the teacher knows the meaning, but the student doesn't, something we mentioned before you came up on, on here, was that if a student was to learn the history, how mm-hmm. much more like, damaging would that be for the child? Yeah. I'm with you and there. There is, I think there is a time and place, and that's a lot of people's question is, shouldn't our know this history? It had a great conversation with Randy Delel's at the AOSA conference, and he and I talked for pretty much a whole session, mm-hmm. <laughs> which it was a really good conversation. He said, you know, well, are we sort of negating all this song material that we have used in the past? And my response is, there is a time and a place for students to learn that. In mm-hmm. my feeling is, you know, that there is a time and a place for mm-hmm. students to learn that. But is the time really when they're developmentally inappropriate? ready to learn that i mean they have to be mentally and developmentally ready to understand what that song history means and is it you know hey let's sing this fun song chicken on a fence post mm-hmm. and we play the game where we have fun and then hey guys by the way yeah <laughs> 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 yeah that going over like a lead balloon i mean my kids are pretty sophisticated they get it yeah. you know they're like they're they get about stereotypes and they understand that. So like, you know, I think there is a time and a place, but I think it might be more in a high school or college music classroom where there is a more higher level um, conversation that happens and a discussion that happens about why this song, how the song came about, what its history is, 
but I don't think it's in a celebratory kind of place like in the elementary music classroom. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love how you talk about how music is celebration and you want to keep the focus there, you know, and if you, yeah. And if you bring in all the problematic history after you play the game, then it kind of feels like a trick for the kids and kids, Mm -hmm. you know, kids hate being tricked. Um, And so that's (laughs) not going to go over well. I want to touch on something that you said earlier and um, just a moment ago, you said, you know, even with humming a song, that the song still has meaning. And mm. I always sort of question people when they say, oh, I'm just going to change the words. I'm like, well, you know, meaning has music has inherent value even without lyrics. Yes. Mm-hmm. So would you feel comfortable standing up at a POC conference, a people of color conference and humming Dixie? How would that go over? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's mm-hmm. been an anthem that has been used by white supremacists Um you know, so how would that go over if you just hummed it, even without singing the lyrics of it? Sure. Um, mm-hmm. So anything that offends like that, you know, the music has value even without lyrics. It mm-hmm. has great value. Yeah. Well, oh. thank you so much for yeah. taking time out of your morning to to talk about this with us, Amy. Um, we get to host Amy next year. So yeah. She's going to come in February to do I a workshop. I love your blog. I know. Yes. Yay. Where can people you. find you, you and read more about your thoughts and and some of the some of the activities you put out into the world? So it's it's www.ofratunaorf.com. Mm-hmm. Um, on Facebook, I post live videos about every week. Um, last week, I didn't. I had the flu. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> I missed out. But you can go on Facebook, and it's O space for space Tuna space Orf. And you can go check it out there. And everything's free that I put up on the blog. I really believe in helping other music teachers to be the better versions of themselves that they can be. So um, go check that out. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I love her just way of putting things. Yes. It was so helpful to like Mm -hmm. hear someone that's been doing this for a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and she has a personal stake in it as well. And I think that's that's why I wanted her voice in on the conversation because it's been more than just her rubbing up against this problem as a music teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she, her daughter is in the middle of it and she's trying to navigate how do I raise my daughter um, through all of this icky sticky business Mm -hmm. um, in addition to her students. So I think it's really valuable. And she's definitely written some things that have made me rethink the material I use in my classroom. So I encourage you to check out her blog. I like something she mentioned about the whole three approaches that one does. Like mm-hmm. one is just like placing their heels down. The other option is to like change the words. The last one is to actually be considered. Mm-hmm. And I think it's especially since I've interacted with a lot of teachers via, you know, online forums and such who have, who are mixed on the situation. Mm-hmm. It often is the question of like, Oh, some things I've said is like, I, I've seen is like, they, it's important. They just kind of like almost suck it up. Mm-hmm. But trauma exists, and it's not our job to tell the child what is traumatic and what's not. Right. I think that's Ooh. like I think that's the key part because when you're talking to other educators, you are talking to adults, but you're not talking to you're not singing these songs to other educators. You're singing these songs to children, and if it's traumatic, that's not on you to decide what is what is not traumatic. Your job as a teacher is not to tell them what their identity is. Your job is to take them where they're at and grow them from where they are and hope that maybe they'll see your point, but mm-hmm. not to dictate what their identity is or is not. True. Wow. That's good stuff, Jonathan. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, okay, guys, we've gotten through a good chunk of this conversation. Yep. I know it's not comfortable. Mm-hmm. No. Um, it is. Yeah, there is that feeling of discomfort. And mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. I want to check in with you. Like. How are we feeling? Are we are we okay right now? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I feel like we there's so much work to be done. Yeah. And I like how Amy talked about the different levels of wokeness. I think about that all the time. Um I we're woke. <laughs> I know. People talk it's, about it's being important. woke, but it's funny, but it's true though. It's a waking up process. Yeah, it is. Um yeah, and and every time you learn something new, you can incorporate that and uh, and just become a more conscious person in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um and there's I've I've even begun to look at it through the lens um like the music that I teach about not just is this problematic from a racial standpoint, is this pro- problematic from a 
um, class standpoint, you know, cultural standpoint is, uh, you know, are the things that I'm talking about putting in front of my kids accessible right. mm-hmm. on lots of different yeah. levels? Yeah, so, gender too. Yes. I think about that. Yep. Especially, you know, I don't, this this might be controversial. Um, <laughs> well, we're starting a controversial topic. So. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm stepping in another end of it. I, I never divide them boys and girls. Um, when we do folk dances, I do ones and twos. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, yeah. yeah um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm always, you know, concerned about that. And if it's, we do a lot of arts integration at school and we did an arts integration episode. Um, so if I'm talking about like how a dance would have been done culturally, like we just did a... Um, a unit on Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so I taught an Egyptian folk dance at a wedding. That folk dance, people would have been divided up uh, men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I acknowledged that, yeah. but uh, I didn't make them do it. Right. Also you know? sucks to be the kid who's like partnering up. Everyone's partnering right. boys and girls except for these two because right. we're not off kids. So, hey. Yeah, there's an right. uneven number of boys and girls. Like how yeah. many classes do you have that are evenly split? 50-50. So there's, Ever. There's a lot of different ways to, to look at at being equal and being accessible. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my next question for us is, and we've already kind of talked about it, but like who should be making these decisions of what sh- what songs, what dance dances we should be teaching? Me. Yeah. <laughs> Not you guys, me, straight up. Absolutely. John Solomon. Yep. I am the one. Put a stamp on it. But, uh, so who should be the ones that determines? I think each individual teacher. Like, it, mm-hmm. It, it comes to a calling for us to where we need to know the material that we're teaching. Mm-hmm. And then it's a you personal decision. Like, are you comfortable teaching the song that has its roots, it roots in racism? And if you are like, I can't, I can't change that. I can't tell you, well, you can't teach that song. But if, if you, if you can live with that at the end of the day, like, okay, like mm-hmm. that's you. And like, that's what your kids are going to do, but that's not what I'm going to do at my school. And that's not, not what I'm going to do for my kids. Um, and it also just helps us kind of wake up to do some more digging in on these songs that we teach and mm-hmm. like to be um, proactive about knowing the material well. But we can make a list like these songs have these these roots. But if ultimately a teacher wants to teach those songs, that's their prerogative. Mm-hmm. And I'm not of the belief where I have to tell you what you can and you sure. cannot teach. Like. As a professional and as an educator, you you have earned that right because you have done the schooling. As a human, I disagree, but ultimately, like, I that's not my place. I feel. I feel. Like I want to. Take, I agree with you. I want to take one step further. Sure. I think the fact that we are talking here, even though it is up to the individual teacher to teach the, to their community, because you know what, their community might just all be one race, mm-hmm. and like, if they want to focus on that, that's fine. I do still recommend that they, you know teach them that the world is not just focused on one different culture mm-hmm. but i also think that it's important as us music teachers be accountable for, for to one another as well bring in we can't force them no it's that's you know they, it's their own free will but i think the fact that us educators like there are educators that are, that are listening to this podcast because they've wanted to be a part of this community and listen and like chime in and be encouraged and also encourage others i think the same thing goes with these tough topics that it is also our job to help encourage other educators to be better. So I'm, I have a thought percolating. Go for it. Okay. I'm going to be imperfect in how I say this. I forget. <laughs> okay, good. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Those of you that know me and, and uh, maybe listen to my, my episode where I did my intro know that I've lived in a lot of different places. And so I grew up very acutely aware being thrust into a lot of different neighborhoods and a lot of different states that we are a very segregated nation. Um, I went, you know, my family, I was the only, uh, we were the only white family in a black church. Um, at one point, uh, we lived in white wasp, um, Arizona. We've lived in, you know, 50, 50 Latino white communities. We've lived in a lot of different scenarios. Uh, we lived on the border, um, of like the old plantation money in Alabama. Um, so like we've, uh, we've lived in a lot of different places and our, I see my job. I, I don't want to put this on anyone else. I see my job as a music teacher, as, um, helping expand world views, um, and, and helping the kids understand that the lens through which they see the world is not the only way to yeah. see it and that their neighborhoods and their little bubble, um, is not everyone's experience. Um, and so I would just encourage other educators to 
continually do the work to understand that your bubble and your community and your school, even if you only te- if you even if you teach an all white population or an all one race population, that's not everyone's experience. Mm-hmm. And your children will grow up, and they will not all continue in that experience. Uh, we're no longer a um, you know a white nation. We're changing, um, and it's, we never were actually. We, you're <laughs> right. I understand. We were You're the majority. Right. It's no longer the majority, put that way. Yes. Well, and by the time um, my kids are are in college, um, you know, they're showing that uh, we won't even be over fifty yep. percent. Um, so yeah, we're 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 growing these kids up and we're sending them out into a world that is changing. And so, you I agree with you in that we can't take anyone's right to decide what they're going to teach in the classroom. That doesn't feel right. I feel like that's kind of akin to banned books lists. But mm-hmm. I just would hope that um, that you're coming from a place of wanting to expand other kids' worldviews. I mean, that's the purpose of education. Yeah. The purpose of education is be, like everyone can learn, but the yeah. purpose of placing a child in a teaching environment mm-hmm. because you want them to understand that the world is bigger than your household. You're, the world mm-hmm. is bigger than what your parents can teach you. Mm-hmm. Um, there is much more to science, and like not everyone has the accessibility to learn about you know beakers and learn experiments. You learn because the world is bigger than your small community. And if we are to understand that definition, then we should also extend that with the songs that we choose as well, that mm-hmm. the world is not just our individual race it's not just our individual culture there are other people outside our neighborhood yeah i think that that kind of gets into the importance of uh world music and music from other cultures and why that does belong in the classroom and the term world music is already problematic but that's a topic for a different story because by saying world music we're saying that non-world music the thing we focus on Mm -hmm. which is western music is more dominant than there you go. Yeah. Well, th- there. I just learned something, so I'll do better next time. I mean, there's um, no good answer, unfortunately. Well, I and I, I was thinking like not American folk music when I yeah. said that. Um, so what's what's a better term? I don't. Ha- we don't have a better term, unfortunately, yet. Okay, well, if I need one, know, Jonathan, so I can know, use it. Like, if choral music is a problem, give me a different word. I wish I knew. I really wish I knew. As someone who wants uh-huh. to enter ethnomusicology and saying ethnomusicology uh-huh. places a stress on musicology, which is Western music, it's like. That's weird, but I don't have an answer, unfortunately. That's that's a system, that's a systemic issue. Which I don't have an answer. I like what uh, hmm? Doug Goodkin did at his last workshop, uh-huh. where he just said the topic today is music from five continents. Yeah, and we did learn songs music from, from five, five continents. continents. Yeah, we didn't talk about world music. We we dove that's into true. individual what songs and so what continents were not included other than Antarctica, Australia. I think did we have Bali? Australia? And um, wait, what? Did we have an Australian song? I don't know. Uh, we had what's Maori? Um, Maori is a Pacific Islander, so it's still yeah. close to. Yeah. Between. So he lied to us. There. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, then no, he. Yeah, I don't have my notes in front of me, but we did hit music from all from five continents, but. My point was yes. that we need to bring music into the room that immerses people in other cultures. Because I think when you get into uh, what the sound and the rhythms of a of a different culture and the language, you know, that another person speaks, it builds empathy. Um, you know, and I see it in my room when I get my English learners who are maybe they're new to um, the United States even. Uh, when we sing music from from the countries that they came from mm-hmm. in their language, they come alive, yeah. and then they have a shared experience with the other kids in their class. So they might not be talking to each other on the playground, but they can play a game and sing a song that feel, feels familiar to them, and it it yeah. enfolds them into the community. So I think that's awesome because mm-hmm. like I I've struggled with that being of a different background uh, than my school. The majority population mm-hmm. is either Latino or, well, that's our main population, but mm-hmm. we also have, like, Filipino and African-American. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, we have uh, 80 different nationalities mm-hmm. in San Diego County Yeah, that attend our schools. Yeah. So I sometimes I feel, like, you know, intimidated by attempting to teach a song that's, like, like a Mexican folk song or mm-hmm. even for myself, like a Japanese folk song, even though I'm Japanese because mm-hmm. I've in, in the past been told like, you're not Japanese enough or, mm-hmm. you know, even though I, like I live in a Spanish speaking household now, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, your Spanish still isn't good enough. You know, mm-hmm. that's my fear. 
Hmm. But then it's also like what Amy was was talking about is it it is a lot of work to learn about a new culture that you didn't grow up in you know you're you can't um you know you can't just do a a google search and then have like a lifetime of experiences you know first result click i am expert yeah (laughs) i know (laughs) but i had such a good time last night um preparing for this i just typed in because um, something that's popped up, like, what are some things that you can do um, to, like, further your knowledge is, like, in- include, be more inclusive of, um, like, people of color who are composers and authors and leaders in- into your classroom. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, Mexican-American composers, Asian-American composers or songs, children's songs. And I have found some amazing things that I'm currently obsessed with. That's great. Um, there was one, I think it's called Rabbits and Dumplings. Mm-hmm. They are a band. I think they're from Kentucky. Huh. And they were featured on NPR six years ago. And they have amazing, like, very artsy music videos, like, animated. They look like shortstop. Um, are they for kids? Yeah, they're for yeah, kids. They're all cool. kids' folk songs. So they have, they focus on Korean um, Japanese, Chinese, and Tibetan folk songs. Cool. That's awesome. And so there's so much out there, mm-hmm. and I don't feel prepared to teach any of those songs tomorrow. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, I'm ready to start. We've got listening. some digging to do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it is a long process, and it. Yeah. What I've been trying to do to just like, you know, give myself, grant myself that grace is mm-hmm. like, I only attended my first Fire Robin, like training, like a a couple years ago like that was all brand new that was a lot of work and so like learning some other folk songs from different cultures Mm -hmm. it's like okay there's just more to do yeah Yeah. it's fine there there is a lot to do i think something that's important for us educators i think the question you asked like what can we do is like Mm -hmm. i think the first step is be malleable um something that my uncle who teaches photography over in hawaii said when i first started teaching or before i started teaching he said that Students are going to learn, but you are going to be the one that learns the most. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, especially, I'm entering my fifth year, and I'm, as I'm getting more comfortable and more confident in my teaching skills, I also recognize that I'm also becoming a little more stagnant in my mm. desire to learn. And I think that's just a natural state of when you become more confident, you feel like you have your set of tools. Sure. But I think it's important for us to always remember that we should be the ones learning, if not as much more than our, the students that we teach. And we should be malleable to the different things, even if they don't work or if they don't um, align with the tools that we initially had, mm-hmm. because we constantly want to be better. Yeah. I I see my job as constantly working to remain more open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm able to have these candid conversations with you guys because I'm, we all know that the, the basis of this discussion among the four of us is love. Like we got each other's backs, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and we're able to talk about this, but this is, this is extremely uncomfortable. And, uh, the goal of this conversation is not to become comfortable at the end of it. And I think that I have to, I have to constantly remind myself of that. Like, um, you know, even, even just like thinking back on how I reacted when you said that thing about world music, you know, like I want to do the loving thing. I want to use loving language. And so every time I receive that input, my instinct is to be like, no, but that's not what I meant. You know, don't misunderstand me. Know that I want to give love and openness. And so that I think is where the lashing out comes from in the, in the online discussions about all of this is like, but my intent was, um, you know, don't call me an unloving person because of this. But it's like Amy said, um, you know, intent, uh, you know, never trumps impact. Yeah. Um, and so just like it's not um, what did you say about the trauma? Like you, it was so good. Um, it's not our job to tell the kids what's traumatic. Yes. Yeah, like tra- trauma exists in different forms and it's not our job to tell it, tell them what is traumatic, what's not. Right. Yeah. And I, that extends to adults and does, that extends to um, these these really difficult conversations. And it's our job to remain open to each other in the middle of it. I was reading some advice um, in a newsletter by uh, Kalita Jones. Mm-hmm. And she recommended doing what Mark is doing very well. She said, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> and she said to invite people into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. To add to the recipe with light and love and respect. I was like, yeah. 
I like that. Yeah, give people the opportunity to get there in mm-hmm. their own way, you know. There were, I'm looking for this quote that I had from a uh, conference because I attended, I mentioned this in an earlier episode, I attended... The forum. Um, not the forum, oh, actually, no, it was but forum. Uh, it was Natasha Thurman's. Okay. Uh, and also I attended um, uh, Tiffany Berry's, uh, and both of them had, were focused on Korean folk and also... Filipino folk music, but both of them had a very important stance at the very end, which reminded me of something that's very similar to what Amy mentioned, if I could find it. <laughs> My apologies, guys. While John's looking for that, I think just as a reminder, when speaking with anybody, like compassion needs to be at the heart of it and at the center mm-hmm. of it. Um, I don't know how about you guys, but my mind has never been changed from a social media debate. Mm-hmm. Like it just never has, and so um, we can uh, like we I can, lost. Oh, I guess I gotta, uh, I'm gonna change. Well, you now. won. Like <laughs> no, I've, I've never, I've never, I've never been a. I guess this never happened to me. Mm-hmm. But my mind's been changed with a conversation face to face that mm-hmm. is civil, that is mm-hmm. level headed, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but there can be passion behind it. Absolutely, like yeah. this is a. This sh- there should be a little bit of passion behind the subject, mm-hmm. but in any discussion that goes beyond today, and we will have them, and I hope that we have them with listeners and and whatnot, because we we reserve the right to learn, and we reserve the right to get better and to and to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, like this isn't who we are for the rest of our lives today on this podcast. Correct. Um, I'm hoping that we learn more things out of this from from our from our listeners, and we see other sides, and so. Um, just trying to understand where the other side is coming from. Mm-hmm. Because if any in any topic, if you go in with my way is the only way, it's not it's not gonna be good. Mm-hmm. You know, so if if we f- if we ever shut ourselves off to listening to the other side, like you said, Zoe, no progress is gonna be made, no change is ever gonna be made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did, but I liked what you said. I kind of want to end off that. Okay. Yeah, because I, I think that's a beautiful yeah, way to tie good. it up. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I think we all need to take a page from Mark's book and do all the listening, and then come at the end and be like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> I it was actually something that I did not was gonna say, but I, Natasha said something that was really important that was very similar to what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two kinds of listening. One is the listening to respond. The other is the listening to listen Hmm. and i feel like because we're older we have a desire to constantly have our voice heard Mm -hmm. and also to say to share our wealth of knowledge Mm -hmm. be it in actual statement wealth or quotation wealth but like it's important for us no matter what we need to listen because if we're constantly trying to just listen to respond we're not trying to have a conversation Mm -hmm. we're just trying to speak our mind and walk out Mm-hmm. We could be better. Yeah, we could be better. Oh my gosh, you guys, there's so much more to talk about. I know. I know. It's like, like there's so much more. So well, we'll this episode to... could be four hours long. This yeah, we should do this again. Only a beginning. Yes. Okay. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Speaking of which, guys, we really do appreciate everything that you you, you listen to this podcast because. Mm-hmm of whatever reason, but we appreciate it because a lot of you have responded. You sent emails, sent Facebook messages and cornered us at workshops. Yes. We love that. We love that. And and like, it's been great. And Mm -hmm. we, uh, it's been great to comment and respond to you because what we're forming here is community. We're not just here to speak our mind. We're here to create a community to, to share stuff. So, and also the thing is our community is growing and the only way it's going to grow even more is if you, help the visibility so if Mm -hmm. you could go to itunes or whatever podcast listening app you listen to and send us a review be it five stars whatever you want be but be honest so that we can improve and also just increase the visibility so more people can be part of our podcast Mm -hmm. also um if you want to actually please do not even want to please do uh subscribe and also like that helps as well with the visibility but even more so as mentioned, this is a big conversation, mm-hmm. and we do want to hear what you have to say. So please we email do. us at chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter as well at chclassroom. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right, we're coming back with Spiccato after the break. 
I want to take a quick break and thank my husband, Brian, who's been working behind the scenes producing these episodes every week on all of the platforms and on time. But you need to know that he is first a financial planner for Mission Trails Financial. Mission Trails Financial is a partner that seeks to guide clients in the journey to financial success. They believe that people need a financial advisor that aims to provide strategies for success. Mission Trails Financial helps people navigate investments, tax planning, and insurance. Imagine working with an advisor who isn't tied to specific brands. Mission Trails Financial has a fiduciary responsibility to act in the best interests of their clients by providing independent, objective advice. Their mission is to help clients accomplish their financial goals. As Joe Vitale once said, a goal should scare you a little and excite you a lot. Do yourself a favor and set up a time to chat with Mission Trails Financial. Visit www.missiontrailsfinancial.com or call 619-419-0238 to schedule a call. If you're in the area, they'd love to have you come by the office. You'll be glad you did. We believe that leaning on professionals is how we get ahead. Check out the program notes for more information. Wait, Mark has brought a spiccato. I sure have. I, oh, what is this? <laughs> so, um, what is it, Mark? On my way here, I you stopped, found a spider. I did. I did. <laughs> it was in my room. It no, ain't um, itsy No. Um, so <laughs> I the size of your face. I, yeah. I stopped by my wife's work this morning because she had forgotten her computer charger and I dropped it off on my way in. Mm-hmm. And on my way in, I was like, oh, I need a spiccato item. And so her and a couple of her coworkers were there. I'm like, ladies. Do you have any items that I could like random items? And so they're like, well, there's a giant spider on the table. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, there is a giant spider on the table. And they're like, why do you need it? I was like, so we can talk about what we're gonna do in our music room with it. And they're like, what? And Brianna's like, you knew it's a bitsy spider. So that's been taken. No one can use it to be it's, it's also bitsy not spider. itsy or bitsy. That's, well, that's fair. Yeah, it ain't. But it is a spider. It's, it's a big spider. It's this is creepy. It's kind I don't of fuzzy. It's way too realistic. Fuzzy was he was a spider. <laughs> I think what I would do with it is I would hide it in my art teacher's room and scare, <laughs> like have it poking up out of the watercolors. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, very scary. See, like my first thought was was um, have you seen the YouTube video of the dancer doing the spider dance? No. Nope. She's a ballerina and she folds herself in half and does this incredible. In yeah, she what? like does this weird, like, she like, <laughs> like she like back bends. Oh, she's okay, standing back up. She does some thought, sort like, of like back bend. By the vertical, she like folds yeah, herself. Yeah, she <laughs> splits herself in half like that. No, she back bends, but it's, it's crazy. And then she grabs her ankles and then she does this weird dance with her arms and her legs where she moves just like a spider. So um, I was kind of thinking, like, what if you got kids together? And you put two kids together, and they had to dance like a spider. Okay. Mm. Or get across the room like I like that. That's cool. Actually, I want to build mm-hmm. off that. I, I, want, I think that we could also have kids partner up and do like a mirroring activity. But not like... Oh, fine. But not like... Spider on a mirror. Not, well, okay, kind, of, kind of. Yeah, actually. So you coordinate what it's mm-hmm. going to be like, and then both of you like have to kind of gauge what the other person's doing back to back, and then do oh, a movement sorry. activity where Judging you're mirroring people. I know he's kicking other. us under the table. Huh? That's me. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, John. Something's going on. I'm we not got sure. distracted. Anywho, we're into movement now. That's we're what's happening. Into- it's a nine-person job. One person's the body, and every other person's one leg. Nice. <laughs> I was thinking There's you no find way that a um, Tarantella song, and you could do like a listening or a steady beat with a Tarantella. Okay. Isn't there a we sing? Spin spider, spin, spin a spider web. I don't sure. know. No, I think there is. Spooky. It is. Like it, it's great. On Halloween night, it's such a scary sight. Something like that. Ooh. Yeah, it's a good one. I also think that you could use it for, like... Um, so, we just had our third graders do adaptations. Mm-hmm. And so, you could talk about spiders adaptations and use some of that vocabulary that they're learning in the general classroom and have the spider. And so, it is a hands-on thing. And then we, we move to it to try to... Uh, to try to feel and try to experience what those adaptations might be. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I like I that. I think another thing is you can turn a kid into a spider. Totally. And then with, chew them away. With like Akio spider. Okay. What about... That's well, against the rules. <laughs> I remember level Teachers three when we... Teachers aren't supposed to do maybe that. Maybe it was level two Just when we did two. the spider and the fly. Yeah, and then we ca- caught Zoe. 
Yeah, we did. Right. Yeah. I was a fly. <laughs> well, Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, you were the cutest little fly. Because you had no clue what's going on. You were in the other group. And then just guys, a bunch of people pulled us away. Yeah. We that. thought about carrying Jonathan you away. Jonathan was like head spider and he was so creepy. He was, he was like creepy. really into it. The facial creepy. expressions creepy. were terrifying. Okay. Thanks for bringing that. Round of the week. Okay, so Zoe brought us our round of the oh, week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Zoe brought us our round of the week, and it's Swing Low Sweet Chariot, which might come across as an interesting choice for the subject matter, <laughs> but Zoe has good reasons for bringing it to the table today. Can you share those? Yes, I can. So um, there's just been a lot of sad news mm-hmm. uh, and people hurting around, like, in my circle and... Mm. Also, like, in and politically, politically, mm-hmm. just a lot of violence. So I uh, when I'm feeling down, I often listen to this Bobby McFerrin album, Spirit You All. Mm-hmm. If you haven't heard it, it's amazing. So this one, um, he does the song with Esperanza Spalding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. And it just, um, yeah. You know, you can just come home listening to the song. So, no, no, shall yeah, we try? Yeah, go. Let's go. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forward to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forward to carry me home. Jordan, what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. A band of angels coming after me. Coming for to carry me home. Swing low, swing low, sweet So that was Bobby McFerrin, one beat round style. I like that. Mm, Cool. Thanks, Zoe. Yay. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for sitting in the hard things with us and being in the uncomfortable. And uh, we're looking forward to your feedback on this topic. Definitely. Zoe, question. Yes. Where can people find you? Mm. Uh, You can find me at Ms. Kumagai. Find me at Finny Vapa. You can find me at Mr. Keemer. And you can find me at Mr. Seligman, M-R-S-E-L-I-G-M-A-N, on either Twitter or Instagram. Same thing goes with uh, Chaotic Harmony Classroom, as I mentioned before. You can find us on Twitter at CH Classroom, also Instagram, also Facebook. Yes. Bye. Bye. Take care. The Chaotic Harmony Podcast is a joint project between Crystal Pridmore, Jonathan Seligman, Zoe Kumagai, and Mark Keemer. You can find us online at chaoticharmonyclassroom.com. You can email us at chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail and let us know what you think. Give us feedback about what you would like to hear in future episodes. We're on all the socials. Find us on facebook.com slash chaoticharmonyclassroom. You can find us on Twitter at chclassroom, Instagram at chaoticharmonyclassroom, and you can even find our episodes on YouTube. Chaotic Harmony is the name of our channel. Special thanks to Brian Pridmore for his help with production and equipment. www.pridmoria.com tell you my least favorite mark no great do you want to take off your headphones i'm gonna tell the girls um my least favorite mark is, is 4 a.m mark Ooh. so 4am mark is supposed to get up for the gym yeah my class is at five mm-hmm. but 4 a.m mark always wants to stay in bed uh-huh so i've i've gotten out of the i've gotten out of bed i've gone to the gym and i feel great after i go yeah but 4 a.m mark always wants to go back to bed mm-hmm. he's the worst calories or whatever so up you do to have a wife yeah, yeah i guess you have a wife i want to get my my orange zone
the girl that was like my trainer was just like do what i say and shut up and i was like oh jeez <laughs> So this Are is the so, yeah, uh, outtakes, right? <laughs> Can you say her name? Windscreen closer to the mic and I'm on it. Windscreen close to the mic gets closer. Is that better? Yeah. No? I feel like I can't make it stick. Rather okay, than well, spend a few minutes and get it. Spend a few minutes. I know. Brian's simple solutions. Are your headphones made out of twine? I don't know what they're made out of. I like them. Dr. Clemens's jacket. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, they were at CVS. 12 bucks. Well, nice. 14 after tax. 14 flat. They're very cool. 14 yeah. flat after 14, tax. Yeah, I was impressed. With zero cents? Zero cents. Wow. 1,4.00. It was Talk about the stupid things you get excited about as an adult, but like my groceries <laughs> were $58 the other day, and I was there like, yes. I am so good. tired of tax yeah. not being included. It's so dumb. It's a mentality of trying to get. Oh. Like, oh, should I, I move it. my body in a different yeah. way, Brian? No, you're good. I, we're you should rotate your body <laughs> no, you five degrees try, south. I think you should try to face the camera. Though. I'd okay. like you to make the Did shape of yeah. a. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Make a the shape of a wallaby. Of a, be a tree, Mark. I think we would miss an opportunity. Do we know the history of this song? Because I don't. Oh, it's a um, it's a spiritual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. No, sure. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's valid. Yeah. It's a it spiritual and it was used on, well, was like, it was used like Underground Railroad Code. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm not as linear as with my thoughts as I want it to be. That's okay. frustrating. I don't think people listen to our podcast expecting linear. <laughs> I know, but this, I, I know that, but also this, this is a big beefy topic. I would this want it to be presented in a relatively I, cohesive fashion. I hear that. I this is not going to be the last time we talk about this. Sure. 